you know, we are here on assignment. We are here on assignment. Every person and every church family has a God-given assignment to fulfill. And what we build together one day will be an eternal legacy that the Lord will reward. And that reward for every person, every person and every church will be tied to a responsive faith. So let's begin this morning. Right here, our family, Pearlside Church, is called to have local, national, and global impact. Say global. Because sometimes in an, in, a, in an island environment, we can just think local. We're called to have global impact. Now, when the disciples asked Jesus about his return and reign, he always redirected them to their sense and calling of reaching people far from God. And so when they wanted to know about eschatology, Jesus pointed them to missiology. He always said he would change the subject. And um, I say that because right now, because of the events in the world, people are again saying, is Jesus coming tomorrow? Is Jesus coming at any time? Is Jesus coming soon? And every time his disciples had those kinds of questions or conversations with him in the Gospels, he changed the subject and essentially told them, it's none of your business. But you need to go about my father's business. Last words are often the most important words. Have you ever thought about what you would tell your children or grandchildren or your parents or your dear loved ones, your spouse, if you knew your days were numbered? Those words will be very, very measured. You would want to communicate from your heart what is most important that you would want them to live on and leave as your legacy. Well... Here are Jesus, among Jesus' last words here in Acts chapter 1. When they, the disciples, had come together, they asked him, Lord, when uh, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So it's very clear. Jesus' desire is that we be a witness. And that word really means, in its originality, a living demonstration to the point of death. It's the word from where we get the word martyr. He's called us to be a witness for expanding realms of gospel influence. Wherever we live, wherever we go. And he he brings out, in principle, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So in this conversation, let's relate this in principle. Jerusalem would be kind of like locally where we live, Judea, surrounding regions. Samaria would be regions around those regions. Ends of the earth, quite obviously, would be the nations of the earth. God so loved the world. Sometimes we can get fixated that God loves Hawaii only or America. No, God so loved the world. He loves every nation. So we have this prophetic scene from the book of Revelation. And we see a worship environment prophetically. The revelator, the apostle John describes, he says, in Revelation chapter 7 after this, <clears throat> I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
So if you think this worship was great, and I realize in Hawaii it looks like we have every nation here. Look around. No, no, really, do look around. Right? I mean, we have a unique multiplicity of ethnicities. This is such a beautiful place. Don Piper, who spent 90 minutes in heaven, said, Faye and I were having a meal with him. And he said, Norman, truly, in, 90, in my 90 minutes in heaven, I've traveled the world. The closest thing to what I saw is what I see in Hawaii. Slap your neighbor and said, that's so good. <laughs> so they don't call us paradise for nothing. Now, here at Pearlside Church, we are called, Pearlside Church is called to equip, empower, and deploy multiple leaders into diverse fields of harvest, reaching people far from God. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 38, a text every pastor in every church preaches about, teaches about at some point. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel or the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So we find the compassion and empathy of Jesus. And then he said to his disciples in this context, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers or the leaders or the workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So Jesus modeled personally what he wants every spiritual family to do. He makes it very clear what he wants his legacy to be lived through us. He went through all cities and villages in his domain and he taught and he preached and he healed and his heart's cry was for more laborers to reach more people from all places. And you know when I look around here I go we, we look like we got people from every place from all places. This is the bridge between east and west. And Hawaii is such a beautiful place, but if we're not careful, we'll just stick to this place, go Vegas, eat buffet, golf. Okay, that's a dog's life. I know, I offended people in the first service. They said, I just went Vegas and ate buffet. <laughs> and you know what I mean, right? That can't be the end of all things as we get old. I'm 69 years, not dog years, human years old. And I... I'm, I have the energy, I think, and the passion still to go everywhere. Because I see in God's Word, we just can't stop and settle. And so expansion, legacy, many churches do this around Thanksgiving. As an expression of gratitude, we see how can we invest into fulfilling the Lord's legacy to be lived through us, and that is to go to all places. And Pearlside here has been given a prophetic charge. Over decades, we have been given a specific prophetic assignment. While there's a generality of calling for all churches, there is also a specificity to every local church. And we are called very clearly from our birth to be a global church, not just a local church. This is why we have size. A church's greatness, and you've said this you, you've heard this over and over. It's not measured by its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. Yes, we are one of the largest churches in the state of Hawaii, but we don't 
We're not large because of how good we are or how great we are. It's never been about us. God, I believe, sovereignly preordains the size of a church based on its calling, its purpose, and its assignment. And when a church is large, and I mentor pastors, and I now I'm, as an expansion guy, once I've turned over the church, doors have opened throughout the body of Christ locally, nationally, and globally. And one of the things I tell pastors is your goal cannot be to grow a big church. God grows the church. We must be an obedient church. And if you have size and if you're large, you are called to train and send leaders, laborers, and workers to reach people far from God in every place on the planet. And that is why we are who we are. So let's take some examples just because of your generosity recently. In Nanakuli, Moku and Sierra Kukonu started in their living room. And now what's in their living room is turned into, because of your generosity and your belief in them, a weekly service at Nanaikapono School. They reached their, I believe, their second anniversary since their initial start in their living room. And they meet every week. That was done recently at the school. And eventually, they'll be in the morning. Okay? This can't happen without you. And then in Mililani. <clears throat> anybody here live in Mililani? Five people. Okay. So, that must be more than that. Some people don't know where you live. Okay. Mililani, Waipio, Waipahu, yeah, the borderlines are all kind of meshed. Um, in Mililani, we have Liko and Nikki Cruz, who also started in their house. And now a year later, over this last year, they've started once and then twice monthly services at night at Kipapa Elementary School. Next week, they've been growing. They're going to go every week in the evening. That has happened because of you. Understand, and these are bivocational people. They're like work construction. Um, <clears throat> they're in the finance industry or they're at Pearl Harbor. And like the Apostle Paul who was a tent maker, they also reach out and kind of like they put on a cape and they become like a spiritual leader. They're expanding their lives to include the gospel. Let me introduce you now also to Mark and Ruth Young, who were heroic in launching an in-person site in Tacoma, Washington. This happened in the last year. They had a very difficult job. They took something that was birthed in COVID, put on Zoom, and then still with the cloud of uncertainty there in the Northwest, got what was on Zoom on the ground in person. And Mark and Ruth Young, and Ruth is truly African-American. She's from Africa. I know Mark looks like the guy from Africa. Actually, Mark's Hawaii. And they met in London because both were campus ministers, missionaries with an expansive point of view. Well, they've done a great job. Now, a year and three months later, the strategic approach now is changing because of growth. Pastor Billy was just there. He'll talk to you in our benediction about his visit there. And I'm so proud of Mark and Ruth because they did something that was probably most difficult. Some people are good at starting something. Some people are good at building something. Some people are good at ending something. Not in a bad way. Okay? So we, we have to know our role in our season. And so here's why they're transitioning. They have a burden and a call and a sense of assignment 
to go to the United Kingdom, to go back. She's been a missionary in Berlin. He served for a few years in the UK, and now they feel to return to the UK where the raindrops of revival are beginning to fall again. What I'm so proud about regarding Mark and Ruth is they're not staying local. They are going global. See what I'm saying? We need to think big and broad in small places. And by the way, out of Tacoma now has come a new possibility of lives being touched in north, up north in Bellevue, closer to the city of Seattle. So plans are in play right now to tr develop the seeds of new leaders to create a new location there. Somebody say amen. This is the good news that's spreading. And three weeks ago, we planted a new church in Bangkok, Thailand. How many have been there? Three. Okay, we're going to improve on that because there will be opportunities. And this started with this couple, Tarn and Marissa Liu, and this is their beautiful family. Um, <clears throat> Tarn came from Mount Ka'ala, Waianae. Did you know there was Mount Ka'ala in Waianae? See, I never knew there was a Mount Ka'ala in Waianae until Tarn told me who came from Waianae. This jiu-jitsu champion trained to become a pastor here, extended his training in Manila in our, at our Every Nation World Mission Center, and he married this girl from Pearl City, who's arguably one of the first four members in our church, and we started in 1994. And they began serving in a school full of international parents and students that's the equivalent of Punahou School here, which you can look at it positively or negatively if you're from Farrington. <laughs> and the influence they got there among internationals from, by the way, all over the world, which blows my mind, has now resulted in a church plant that started as a small group in their living room. In a highly Buddhist country, in one of the largest cities of the world, and one of the most closed cities of the world to Christianity. And they're making an impact with some international business people who have expansive influence in other regions of the world. This is how God works. This is how God works. If we're open to it and we respond to it. Let me give you a purview in 2023 what's happened because of you. You, we, say we. We are doing this because of your generosity. In 2023, we trained leaders or sent laboring teams to the following places. I'm going to say countries because the cities would be too many. Australia, New Zealand, Japan. This is just this past year now. South Korea, Taiwan, the Philippines, Vietnam, Panama, and in America, the states of Oregon, Nevada, and California. We did that. You, we have had impact in laborers in all of these locations. And I think you ought to give yourselves a hand. You really should. <clears throat> now, coming up, this week, let me introduce you to this couple. This is Pastor Jarrett and Nicole Suniola and two of their five girls. A Samoan with five girls. I was with Jarrett and Nicole 
in uh, Sydney, Australia, and Brisbane, Australia, this past summer. And this is a former pro-level rugby player who I met in New Zealand. He got saved in New Ze Auckland, New Zealand in 2008. And he marries a damsel from Kentucky. Only in our every nation family world can this ever happen. And before we went to watch Mission Impossible 9 together, we had a long talk. <clears throat> this guy is a CrossFit athlete, professional level player, with the body I wish I could always have. When I hugged Jared, I felt I almost got hurt because he has muscles upon muscles. We have had a prophetic words over decades for us that we would one day establish churches in Samoa and Tonga and develop leaders that would even reach beyond that. But we've looked around, you know, like our staff, for example, our team, and we say, well, we get Asia and North America and some of these places. So I was thinking like, we're, we joke with each other. We're like, well, who's the dude that's going to go to Samoa and Tonga? Joe, Joe and Asai, Destiny, that's one of our church plants. So we, we, have, we send people there. We planted that only five minutes away, by the way, because it reaches a whole different people group. They're the largest church I've been to. I spoke there about a month ago. I walked in. There's large people there. I mean, they're huge. It's like Pastor Kalai told the first, earlier service. Everybody got bigger this past week. <laughs> well, Jared's big. I mean, he's kind of really like that, but he's got a big vision. I would look around and I thought, maybe it's Mike Matias. And, you know, of course, everybody ends up looking at Tony, right? Because even though he's African-American, he's the closest thing to a physical someone we know of. He played ball with someone for UH. But God sometimes adds somebody if you have vision that says yes. And so they'll join us. They're looking for a place to put their kids for school, where to live, and they'll join our team. And they have a vision to plant churches in Samoa and Tonga after having had successful ministry in New Zealand, Australia, and they planted a church in Fiji. Actually, I'll be there uh, this coming year. And he's turning it over to a successor. And so they're gonna, you're going to get to know them. They'll be part of our team here. Expansion. Legacy. He says, they, they know that their legacy is not just to plant a church in Fiji, but burning in him was Samoa and Tonga <clears throat> and some of the surrounding islands. Some of you here are Samoan, part Samoan. I see you. Okay, how many of you want to be Samoan? <laughs> okay, anyway, before I get off target, be praying for them. God is doing a work. But that's what you're giving to. That's what you're investing in. And then there's Kevin and Mari Asano. Kevin, as you know, every Olympics, we pull him out of the closet. Because he is our judo Olympic champion. The thing for those of you who don't know Kevin's fame, aside from the fact in the 88 Olympics, which sounds like a long time ago, but for us, it's just like yesterday. Japan perennially clobbers every nation of the earth in judo. But in 1988, an American, a little American named Kevin Asano, beat their gold medal champion. It was deemed one of the greatest upsets in judo Olympic history. 
which gave Judah, which gave Kevin a platform through judo for the gospel, which he has leveraged sometimes against his will, which he'll explain. And he married a woman not from Hawaii, but from Japan as part of an obedient response to an expansive vision. And so using judo as a platform, this, let, let's show you some, this is Kevin and this is the uh, Asano's family here. Let's pull that back up, cockpit crew. Get, I asked Kevin, because he's never bought himself, Kevin, do you have any recent family pictures? He said, no. So I just found this one on the internet, honestly. Okay, and <clears throat> you look younger then. Uh, everybody looks younger then. Okay, but <clears throat> so he is a financial planner. He's a businessman. Then he puts on, he has two capes. Then he puts on a cape, goes in a phone booth, puts on a cape, and becomes super judo instructor. They have multiple locations of judo dojos. And this is one of them. This is the one where they have their site at. They're like, well, let's, let's put up the other picture. For, there you go. Okay. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, the Bible says. So this is what they do. They don't, don't get them mad. All right. Because this is the most physical, intimidating of all of our sites and locations. But then they turn it into church. Take a look at this. Using this model, Kevin and Mari have a vision now to plant dojos that will double as churches throughout the nation of Japan. And here's why this is important. God has called Pearlside to reach as many nations as possible. But he has specifically declared that our number one priority is not the only place. The number one priority, which honestly we've been poorest at, is to reach Japan. Interestingly. And so with that introduction, let me pull, pull up our, one of our secret weapons. Olympic champion, businessman, and former pastor, maybe currently re-upping now, Kevin Asano. Let's welcome him. Thank you, Pastor Norman. <laughs> I think I'll say it before you say yeah. it. I've known Pastor Norman so, since he was in his mid-20s. And for the past 20 years, he has been my number one uh, cheerleader, but also hemorrhoid. Every time, <laughs> seriously, seriously. Every time I want to quit judo, he kind of gives it to me, you know. <laughs> So, so now I finally told him I give up. I am going to continue the judo thing until I die. This morning when I was in prayer and I was asking the Lord, Lord, speak to me. What do you want to tell me? And I was reading in the book of Joel, chapter 3, it says, Thousands upon thousands are waiting in the valley of decision. There the day of the Lord will soon arrive. And I began to think, I've been to Japan. I lived there for over five years, and I don't know how many times I've traveled back and forth. But if you, as you know, Japan is not a Christian nation. They say the, maybe about one and a half to one percent of the people there are Christians. And as I was reading this morning, Thousands upon thousands are waiting in the valley of decision. Many in Japan do not know the Lord. 
and the Lord is going to come back. And so I just felt, again, another urging by the Holy Spirit that I can't just stay here and sit and be comfortable and enjoy and look forward to retirement. I need to get up and I need to go because there's are thousands and thousands of people whose lives are in the balance. Their, their, their spiritual eternity is in the balance. And so sometimes I think, God, why, why are you putting this in my heart to go? I'm older. Uh, I think that my time has passed. But at the same time, I'm just sensing the Holy Spirit saying, no, your time is now. In fact, when in COVID, I was, I, I was still in that mode of I'm ready to give up judo. And so I retired for, I don't know, maybe the 50th time. <laughs> And I thought, this is my opportunity finally. COVID has shut everything down. But God brought an opportunity, the dojo that we have in Liliha, 3,000 square feet. We have 128 tatami that we, we can leave there permanently. And he opened that up. And then Pastor Norman saw it. And uh, he says, what about a microsite? And my first response was, yes. Then my second response after, after, I went, after I went home, I said, what did I just say? <laughs> and so we started the microsite. And we saw the, we saw the club grow. We, were, we started in a garage, literally a garage That's with 10 true. people. Yeah. And then God gave us this 3,000 square foot place, dropped it onto our lap. And then from 10 people, we've grown to over 100 members. And out of that, we strategically started small groups in each of the classes. So we just started another one for our, our children. That was really important to me. And so we have our small groups going. And out of that, we have our once a month uh, microsite, our gatherings. By the way, it's going to be next week, Saturday. Pastor Norman is going to speak. So come and join us. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm speaking? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Wait, we need to talk after this, but okay. Yeah. December 2nd. Uh, uh, yeah, it's senioritis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, he might not speak, so it might be me <laughs> speaking. But, but from there, I got this idea that something unique, a platform that I have is through judo to plant a church, starting with small groups through microsites. And then God had been just putting in my heart this idea of go to Japan. And I was thinking, that's crazy. Go to Japan. But God continued to, it seems like the Holy Spirit's continuing to, to put that in my heart. And two weeks ago, I had a meeting. We had a, a core meeting, a vision meeting, and it was the first time that I declared it to our core leadership in the microsite. I'm thinking, okay, well, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to declare it. And I, I was thinking, and I said to them, we have no money. We have no human resources. We have no location. We don't have anything, just this dream or this vision that I feel is God's calling us to do. And it's interesting that over the past two weeks, God has dropped two locations. One is in Nagoya, 
And the other, just, just the past few days, Okinawa has dropped where we have uh, opportunities to start a dojo and possible opportunities to partner with people already in the city to plant a microsite, to plant a church. So I say, okay, God, I don't know what's going to happen, but in faith and obedience, I'm going to go. So my daughter and I are going in January. We're going to go to Nagoya and just see what God has for us. And uh, it's exciting, but it's scared at the same time. And I'm thinking, God, you need to direct. I am just going to be obedient to your call. And whatever happens, I'm going to leave it to you. Amazingly, <clears throat> last week we had Kevin talk a little about this at our downtown location. And he had a friend with him. We had lunch together who's a very successful businessman. I'm not going to say his name because I want to preserve the anonymity, but he has franchises all throughout Japan. He's not a believer. He's skeptical. His wife is more open, but he wanted to have lunch. And so we had an engaging lunch. He gave me a gift. He doesn't even know me. But that's miracle number one. But miracle number two is even though he doesn't believe in God, so to speak, he wants to help fund this vision. And he's not even a believer. He's not in our church. And as I, sit, as I stand here today on Legacy's, Legacy Offering Sunday, we get to invest not only in this, obviously, but in everything we've talked about and more in order to fulfill the legacy of Jesus Christ to take the gospel and to train laborers in every nation of the world. That, to me, is stunning. And then there's Masamichi. Tell us about him, because that was new. You brought that out in the earlier service. Masamichi Aoki is a, a former professional judo athlete. He retired a couple years ago. But we brought him over to Hawaii, and he came to, actually, he came to this service. Yes. He came to this service, and he asked me, why are people in Hawaii so friendly? And he said, well, it's because the aloha, the love of Jesus Christ. And so he went back to, to Tokyo, and we sent him to Glenn Nabaretti's church, and there he accepted the Lord. And then during COVID, I felt that I needed to reach out to him, so over Zoom, we took the opportunity to go through the Purpose Driven Life book, and for about a year, every week, we met, and I mentored him. And so now he's here in Hawaii, and we've just been seeding him with the idea, hey, what about planting a church in, in Japan? And he's got all excited about that. And then just on, on uh, Thanksgiving, he was at my house, and I said, Masamichi, if you could start a dojo anywhere in Japan, where would it be? And that's where he said, Okinawa. And it's interesting that Okinawa was not on my radar. I used to live in Okinawa about 50 years ago when I was a little kid. Interesting about Okinawa was that's where I was introduced to Jesus Christ as a seven-year-old. That's where I started judo as a seven-year-old. And it's kind of interesting that maybe God is calling me back to, to the roots and now through, maybe he, he said that uh, he has another professional judo athlete that wants to start a club there. And uh, we have some friends that have been talking about 
planting a church in Okinawa for years. So I just talked to them. And so we're now in the, in the midst of discussion. We go, what can God do? But it all starts, I think, from opening our hearts, submitting to him and allowing God to speak. And we move in obedience, even though we think, oh, I'm too old. I don't have the ability. I don't have the money. How is this going to happen? We leave that to God. God will provide the way, provide the means. Oh, that, that is so amazing. You think Betty is here this morning in this service? Uh, I think she's coming to the third service. The third service. Okay, we'll introduce her then. Um, <clears throat> let's throw a picture of the Japan Olympic team that clobbers and kills everybody at every Olympics. Okay. Understand they respect Kevin. Understand that the mightiest wrestling judo force on the planet that could seriously maim you. Respect him because of what he's accomplished. But what he's accomplished has never been about Kevin. By the way, there's a book. Write this down. Step Onto the Mat is the name of the book. It's on Amazon. It tells you the incredible story of how the kid out of Mililani and Pearl City, and I guess now Okinawa, was told he had too little talent and too little size to succeed. Never let anybody tell you you have too little of anything. Because with God, all things are possible if you will only believe. Judo now has given you influence throughout the world, and that has become a platform. I don't know, you may have a platform that may give you influence beyond just your success and your life. Understand that is the legacy God wants you to leave. A gospel legacy, a parting shot from you, because you know at our age we need a while to fire up the brain cells in the morning. Two years ago, I was at the lowest point of my life. I was going through a personal family crisis and I came to the point, I was in the garage, working in the garage, and I just broke down. And I said, God, I cannot. I can't take it. I don't know if I can get through. And I said, I give up. I give up. I surrender. And when I said that, I felt the Holy Spirit say, what do you surrender to me? And I thought, thought about it, and three words came to my mind. They all start with the letter F. First is, I give up my finances. I give up control of money or the desire to want to make money or the fear of not having the money. Number two was my family. I realized that I could not control the destiny of my family, that that. It's in God's hands. I have no, no control over my children. Then number three was my future. I said, God, I want to do all of these great things for you, but I've come to the place, Lord, where I surrender everything. I don't need to do anything. I just need to do what you call me to do. However small it is or big it is, I don't care. I surrender my future. Now, right at that moment, as I said that, I felt like that was the bottom. That was at the very bottom. And from that day forward, things started to move up. And then that's when Pastor Norman asked me about the, after that, about the microsite. 
And then the, the dojo began to grow and the, the vision about going to Japan. So what I want to leave with you is it doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, that God is, wants to call you, but you have to come to that place of surrender. Surrender everything. And when you do that, then God is going to move in your life. There's one scripture that really sticks in my mind, and it's found in 2 Timothy, and we're going to put that up on the dojo, at the front of the dojo. And this is Paul writing to Timothy. This is the last known letter that he wrote before he passed away. It's interesting, actually, when he was executed. It's interesting that history says that he was killed about age 60. And that's how old I am. 60, and we think that Paul was an old, old man, but he was only 60 years old. But this is his testimony, and he was telling this to a younger man, Timothy. And that's the legacy part. Here's the older man at the very end of his life, and he's speaking to a young man, and he said to him, he was making this declaration, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race I have remained faithful. And I look at that and it says, God, that's what I want to say. For however many years I have, whether it's a year or it's 20 years, whatever it is, I want to say the same thing that Paul said. I'm going to put that up on our dojo as a reminder. And not only for me, but it's also the charge to the next generation that you need to fight. Don't wait till you're old. Do it now. You need to run now. You need to be faithful now because there is a call that all of us need to do, that we need to go and make disciples of all nations. There's work for us to do. So I want to encourage you that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever capacity, to go and make disciples of all nations. Kevin, thank you. Get the book. Get the book, step onto the mat, and the Japanese businessman has said it should, someone should make it into a movie. And yes, I will tell you, Kevin was at a very dark place. And I've known Kevin for years. And it was at the darkest place now has come some of his greatest success because he never let go of God and surrendered. How do we make this possible? We can invest generously into our purpose in God's mission. Our closing text today on this legacy weekend. The point is this, the Apostle Paul said, the same Apostle Paul that was referenced here by Kevin, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. We've just come through thanksgiving. What is this long text saying? Let me give you part of its essence today. Many people in America want to be successful they want to be wealthy. They want to be, have affluence. And Scripture is saying, here's the way the law works. There has to be a selfless willingness 
to surrender, as Kevin said, and to sacrifice to a greater cause. First to the gospel and then good works that help other people. And people say to me over the years, well, if God made me wealthy first, I would be generous. No, you wouldn't. The test is always God says, I'll give you a little, and then he watches to see how generous we are proportionately with a little, and then he gives us a lot. Let me just say what Kevin cannot say. Today, he's a wealthy man. His business is successful. His dojos, his judo clubs are successful. But he also knows what it's like to go through pain and darkness and suffering. They adopt children. They foster children. I mean, his son has Russian blood in him. They have gone through tremendous pain and toil. And not because he's crazy. It's because he understands the Word of God and he wants to leave a next generational legacy even for people without a family. Because their home has been a place where kids who had no family will, will, will have a family. And that's going to be part of the Asano legacy. It's about leaving stuff for the next generation. I am extremely proud of Pastor Billy, who is the lead pastor of this congregation. I repent every day of trying, having chased him away when he was 15, chasing my daughter. And my daughter was 13 when this church was born. I rebuked Satan. I tried to pray him away. I tried to chase him away because I didn't want no good-looking adolescent 15-year-old kid going after my daughter. And my, my wife corrected me along the way. She says, dude, don't you think that maybe he's meant to be here? Maybe he's going to be part of the team. I said, I rebuked you. <laughs> my mind, right? And then she said, well, then, of course, the bottom, what if he's the one to take over one day? All these weird thoughts that you think are demonic. <laughs> but God, God's interested in what we leave to the next generation, not only to... Pastor Paris, I was his middle school teacher. He's the executive oversight pastor of all of our locations. Pastor Billy leads our main congregation, the engine. He determines the sermon series. Most of the spiritual leadership falls in his lap. The oversight, the administration, the big, the real pulp-like thing. Pastor Paris, I was his basketball coach. I was his middle school teacher. He can file lawsuits against me. And I, sometimes I tell myself, what have I done? <laughs> Turning things over to my son-in-law. And the thief of a middle school student that he was back when he was 13. <laughs> but sometimes we don't let go. We don't let go. There's no legacy. They have done a better job in a year and four months than I ever could. I walk into this service, I mean, into this main campus. Sometimes nobody knows me. No, I mean, I know you know me. But you act like you don't know me. Maybe you don't want to know me anymore, okay? And I don't care. I mean, I care. <coughs> but I don't need to be needed. I just want to do what the Lord wants me to do. And sometimes we just have to let go. With, look, <coughs> all of, some of us are called to go personally to the nation. Some of, all of us have the privilege to sow financially. We all are going to invest this past weekend. But the result is a legacy of next generation transfer. This has allowed me, rather than being the point spiritual leader, to be a spiritual father, mentor, coach, and trainer for expansion. And doors have opened in different parts of the world. And in varying degrees, okay, in varying ways, God's called all of us to do that. But we begin here. We begin here. We don't begin there. We begin here, and it continues there. 
<clears throat> this past weekend, I had the honor, Coach Rod York asked if I could pray over the Mililani High School football team before they played Kahuku. And so, um, this is Rod and Lynn up there. And, of course, they gave it their best shot. Kahuku is a, I don't know what they're smoking or growing out there. Um, you know, it's kind of like, these are grown men. And Rod and Lynn shepherd a team mostly of broken families. Broken families. And I got to see Rod's leadership up close. I got to see the kids and talk to some of them, pray with them, watch them, cry with them. At the end, it was an epic game. I want to see a third game and have a rubber match, but that will never happen. But here's a picture after the game of Rod being a shepherd and talking to his boys who were crestfallen. What I really appreciate is Rod and Lynn have no biological children, but they have generations of children who have had no homes. Their home is a haven for kids from broken families, and the team has become a family for those with broken hearts. And somehow, he's been able to put a winning product on the field. Well, after the game, I'm standing by myself, just lost in my thoughts. And this gentleman comes up to me, who I've never seen before. And he's the principal of Mililani High School. I believe his name was Frank Murphy. Fred, close. Okay. <laughs> And he begins to tell me how impressed he is with the growth, evolution, and influence of Coach York. Kevin said it. None of us are perfect. We're all a work in progress. And Rod will be the first one to tell you that, and Lynn would be the second one to tell you that. And Rod will tell you this. He told me this recently. Yes, it's the word. But he also said, it's the small group. And I see a guy who is talking to his team as a father in defeat. Anybody can have a rah-rah speech when you win. But I saw a shepherd who cared for next generation legacy. He has a master's degree. He's an educator. Lynn is an educator. We all know that when your home becomes a haven for kids from broken families, you're affecting legacies for the future because athletics gives you structure. And I sat and I watched both of them being so proud of the fact they have been a witness. Not a perfect witness, okay? Not a perfect witness, but a witness, which is where we started today. My question is, are you a witness? Is there an investment in the next generation, laborers, workers, missionaries, campus ministers? Yesterday, how many of you even follow UH football? Because you're not going to go to heaven if you don't. <laughs> how, many of you, how many of you are aware of last night's football game? Raise your hand. So, okay. All right. Okay. Let me just take a moment here. Okay. Because you may not see me again for a year. <clears throat> we begun a small group in Coach Chang's office. It happened just before the Nevada game great time. And Timmy's in it. 
Jacob's in it. Well, Jacob's in our church. The Euro family's in our church. So that's, that's an easier play. But in that place, I see in a school I graduated from, Pastor Billy graduated from, Rod graduated from, Lynn graduated from. I see the next generation response. I'm 69 years old. I said, Timmy, I'm an old man. And he don't care. See, because years ago, he lost his father. But let me tell you about the end of the game. This is you investing in the people. With the clock winding down and an unclear signal from the referee that Chunky Hines didn't get out of bounds, the game was tied. And the University of Hawaii had to line up for a field goal with eight seconds left. For that to happen, it would take a miracle. Everybody would have to get set and not move. Solomon Landrum would have to hike the ball to placeholder Ben Falk, who then would set it up for Matt Shipley to kick. Braden Shager, the quarterback, had to get off the field. Logan Taylor, of course, is, you know, Logan Taylor on the sideline, spiritual leader of the team. With no time left, Ship kicks it through 51 yards. Why am I telling you this? They're all from our church. Our Every Nation family of church, the church that relaunched our mother church, Grace Honolulu, that bought Willows, where we all ate the buffets at, there's spiritual leaders there. Solomon, Ben, Ship, quarterback Braden Shager, defensive captain, captain of the team Logan Taylor. They're all next generation people in our every nation church. And there's Elijah Robinson right here, one of the top defensive. Elijah, why don't you stand? And their family, your mama. So Elijah, Elijah Robinson, one of the top defensive players. And this is his little brothers. Why don't you guys stand? Yeah. Okay. But let me tell you, this doesn't happen without the mother who cares about legacy. And this is mom. Mom, why don't you stand? You are the queen. That's what I'm talking about. You start locally, but you don't stop at the local. You keep expanding because that's the will of God. That's the will of God that your circle grow larger so you leave someone and something behind. Aloha, Pearlside Ohana. This is Paris Hayashi, your Executive Oversight Pastor. As we have journeyed together through this amazing sermon series, Built to Last, we have been reminded to embrace our call to reach the next generation on our middle school, high school, and college university campuses to start sites and congregations to plant socially responsible churches locally here in the islands, nationally across the U.S., and globally. Pearlside Church is a local church that will make a global impact. Today, we will receive a special offering above and beyond the regular tide and throughout December so that this vision becomes reality. A couple of weeks ago, on November 5th, we launched our first international church plant in Bangkok, Thailand, pastored by Taran and Marissa Liu. And I'm so confident that there will be more sites, congregations, and churches that will be started and planted by Pearlside Church. Thank you for your faithful generosity and giving and expressions of gratitude, faith, and worship. May God bless you as you give.